All right, hello again, everyone. Welcome into the pod. And uh, I'm excited to tell this story today, or at least have someone tell the story. He is believed to be the only person who grew up in Israel um, who was on a major league staff or a major league team. That's true. And we had Fernando Cruz on this podcast earlier this season. Incredible story. This one might be a little more incredible, or at least as incredible. He is assistant pitching coach for the Reds, Alone Leishman. How are you alone? What's happening? Everything's good, you know. Nice view out here in Chicago. I love this place. <laughs> do you love this place? Yeah, I really do. Yeah, it's nice. Uh, there you go. For the record, we are in Chicago as we speak in a hotel room overlooking Lake Michigan. Now, are you living the dream right now? I mean, and once we tell your story, people are going to like, oh, yeah, he's living the dream. How good is this right now? I'm, I'm for sure living my dream. That's 100% right. <laughs> yeah. All right. Let's let, let's go back to be to the beginning. I think the best way to tell this story is chronologically and just go back to the beginning. You were raised in central Israel, right? Yeah. Now, the predominant sports there are soccer and basketball. Do I have that right? Yeah. So baseball is non-existent, non-existent, except for the community that you lived in. Correct. Yeah. So my community 250 people, if I'm exaggerating. Um, it's about a mile circle um, that was founded in the 70s by a group of American, Jewish American mm -hmm. that moved to Israel to settle over there. You know, Israel's a young country, so yeah. in the 70s, it's still kind of like the beginning of a lot of stuff there. Um, Jews from all over the world kind of came to Israel mm -hmm. uh, one big melting pot. Um, so my small community was founded by Jewish Americans um, that decided to bring part of their culture to Israel. And yeah. they did that by playing softball, you know, baseball, softball. Yeah. Uh, so growing up, that was randomly the, the sport on the community. Now, Correct me if I'm wrong here. You're on a field that basically the bases are on the outfield grass. Yeah. And it's like 250 feet from home plate to center field. So it's not like a regulation field that we know in America. No, if you hit it over the, the 250 foot fence, it's a double. Um, <laughs> if you hit it onto, there was a little, you know, little hill. If you hit it onto the hill, it would be a homer. But wow. Not many people did that. That takes me back to my childhood because we played on fields where we didn't have enough players. We'd have ghost runners and we would be on a smaller field. So if you hit it over here, it's not a home run. So, that, I mean, that's that's unbelievable. But that that is all you had. So how predominant was baseball in that community? Uh, it, like I said, it's a tiny community, but yeah. that was that was our sport. Um so all the kids around me were, were all playing it. Uh, actually, my best friend growing up was in L.A., um, came to watch a game, and I told him, it's like, if we didn't play catch every day, like I'd have no one to play catch with and probably never be here. Were you a pitcher from a young age? Yeah. It's like, or just played it you, all? You, play, you have to play it all. Yeah. Because like you said, Ghost Runners, like in, in the Premier League, Premier League. Yeah. of Israel, 
<laughs> if your team has seven and the other team has nine, you play eight on eight. Yeah. Wow. Um, yeah. And if you have eight that day, because that's a real thing. Yeah. Um, then it's automatic out on the ninth guy. So if someone that wasn't in this community in Israel that wanted to play baseball, this was basically the only place to I come? Mean, they're small, small pockets, but it was yeah. the, the only field, really. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, to this day, and we, we played in the Olympics. We went to the World Baseball Classic a few mm -hmm. times. Granted, it wasn't like homegrown players. Right. Um, but to this day, like baseball, Israel, we have a team. Yeah, we went to the Olympics. Really? Well, that's crazy. Now, how did baseball get in your blood? Why, why was baseball such a passion for you in a country that baseball is almost non-existent? Yeah, like I said, it was just like randomly the sport of where I grew up. Yeah. Um, so my older brother played. Uh, my dad played fast pitch softball there for like the community team. Um, and then all my friends did. And um, my grandpa used to do half the year in New York and half the year in Israel. And the time that he was in New York was always like playoffs. So he would send me boxes of uh, VCRs. You know, it was actually a few years after. The first one was 93 World Series. Um, so I would watch that in 96. Um, and I'd just come home from school and watch it and want to be one of those players, I guess, and try to imitate. Wow. So you're watching three years old World Series. Yeah, daily. 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 Mariano Duncan. That was our <laughs> favorite player. Just because he had a cool name. Yeah. I, well, very familiar, Mariano Duncan. That is, uh, oh, man, that, I, I can't imagine. And it's just, it's obviously a different world. Um, but you, your dream was to graduate high school and go on to a pro career of some sort, right? Yeah. And that actually, I, I tried to leave before high school. Did you? Yeah. I'd say I was maybe four or five when I was like, okay, maybe six that I want to, I don't want to do the army. Um, because back then we, we all thought that by the time we're 18, we won't need to go to the army cause it'll be peace. Yeah, uh, that doesn't happen really. Um, so I was always thought like, I won't do the army because we won't need to by then, um, and then try and leave before high school so I can at least start like playing every day. Yeah, because what we had wasn't really anything. And then my parents were like, "No, nah, you gotta stay here for high school," and then after that, you know. See what happens. Now, when you said you wanted to leave, was it you wanted to come to America? Yeah. 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 And Just so I can play high school And baseball. your parents said no. So this Army thing is still going on. So you oh, yeah. had to enlist in the Army, yeah. right? three years. Three years? What was that experience like? And you say, listen, I, I can't imagine growing up in a world. I mean, America's been involved in conflicts, obviously. Yeah. But you thinking that the conflicts and wars are going to end by the time that you're 18 and that doesn't happen, what what yeah. was the experience like in the Army? Um, it was okay. I wish we didn't have to do it. Uh, yeah. Definitely three years that kind of are the maybe the peak of where you want to be as a, as a baseball player. Um, right. It's right in the middle there. Um, but I think overall it, it's a good experience. I, I wouldn't trade it 
for anything, really. Did, did you have any involvement in baseball during your time yeah. serving? Yeah, I did. So I was actually recognized in like a special like athlete program that the Army still allowed me to, to work out and represent Israel in as much as I could. All right. Now, how do you, once your service time is up in the Army, what happens from there? Um, two weeks later, I was at Cypress College in California. Um, the reason I got there was, again, kind of coincidence. I had family members in Orange County across the street from a junior college, and they would always hit home runs into their backyard, and they oh, would wow. send me boxes of baseballs, uh, a box of baseballs once and whatever, so I can have baseballs in Israel because we didn't really have much. So I always knew about that college because they always hit. That's how yeah. I got baseballs in Israel. Um, so I always knew about that college. While I was in the Army, there was uh, an, a guy by the name of Pat Doyle. He was an MLB envoy coach mm -hmm. um, coming to try and spread baseball around the world. Um, he saw me play. He's like, we need to get you to college when you're done in the Army. I was like, well, I have family in Orange County. They hit home runs into my relative's backyard. It's like, oh, I know that school. They're a pretty good school. It's the best junior college conference in California or whatever. And I said, great. So he emailed the coach. Coach never answered. And he was like, you know what? There's actually a Jewish coach at the same conference, and they might be even better, uh, Cypress College, Scott Pickler. Um, and if that name is familiar, father yep. of Jeff Pickler. Yep. Currently on the red staff. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah. Um, so I was like, yeah, okay. I mean, I don't know what my level is compared to these American kids, really. Yeah. Uh, and he said, like, this is a better team. I said, well, yeah, let's, you know, shoot a shot. And he said, yeah, sure. You know, come. Uh, I was able to take leave from the Army for two weeks, go train with them or practice with them. And they said, yeah, when you're done in the Army in a year, you can come back and, you know, try and make a team. So this was purely on a tryout basis. This wasn't, hey, kid, we want you to. Oh, no, no, yeah. not at all. It was, I went, I went there, tried to, like, practice with them. They said, yeah, you can come back in a year once you're done. So I just, two weeks after I was done in the Army, I was in California. And what was the tryout like? I, I Does it eye-opening? I, I, I don't know if it was a tryout. They just kind of let me let like you practice, mix in. Not even in a practice. tryout, just like, oh, let's let this kid practice with yeah, us? Yeah, and I would throw against their guys. And a year later when I got there, I realized that the catcher was telling the pitcher, the hitters what was coming. Come on. Yeah. Are you serious? <laughs> Why? Because he did, just was against you? or it, not, not like that. It's like, uh, I don't know who this kid is. And he's like, here's a fastball. <laughs> Wow! Oh my God! That's like at least what they told me a year yeah. later. So you have to overcome that. So the guy, I mean, I think, I think that. Well, this is Bull Durham, like. No, I think you that, told him what was coming. Yes, I did. <laughs> I think they're they're more looking at the athlete, the stuff, the whatever, and knowing like he's coming from a place that baseball is not really a thing, and you know this is junior college, and we can probably help develop the kid. Wow. Okay. So you make the team, right? Mm -hmm. And is I was it... in the army in fall ball still. Yeah. So I I joined the team in January. Wow. Yeah. Now I uh 
I think I read, I believe it was a Charlie Goldsmith article. Uh, thank you, Charlie. Uh, you showed a video to the coach, to Scott Pickler, of you pitching, and there were sirens going off. Oh. Is that, do I have that right? Yes, you do. Um, Tell me about, again, this this will, will give a better reference of the type of world that you grew up in. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I grew up perfectly fine childhood. I yeah. Had zero issues. Um, had everything I wanted. But, you know, I grew up into a reality where that bus got blown up. You know, that restaurant got blown up. You go to that mall, that got blown up. Um so it's almost, that's all I know. So it didn't feel weird or it was scary at times, but it's what I, it's all I know. Yeah. Um, so I never like thought about growing up differently. Um, so it didn't really, it's just part of it. Um, so then when sirens like rockets come, it's also, it's like you start getting used to that too. So summer of 2014, yeah, I was 14. I went back home and we're pitching in a game and rockets. So the sirens start going off. Oh my gosh. We're all running to the shelter. And again, this is not the first time. Yeah. It was just the first time I was actually in a game. You know, we, we'd have yeah, many instances. It's like sirens go off, run to the shelter, come back. And there's rockets going overhead. And it, it, it yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, all right. To there's in, a, there's many stories like that. To put it into context, who's who's firing these rockets? Um, it was coming from Gaza Strip. Yeah. So, um, terrorist group called Hamas. See, yeah. I'm shaking my head uh, again. I I grew, uh, I grew up a coddled American, and uh, this is uh, most of the conflicts have been elsewhere. Yeah. So, so this was an inning ending. Uh, this is rocket. crazy to me. You know, it's crazy for a lot of people to hear, yeah. but it's norm for you. I mean, it, it was norm that summer. Yeah. I mean that summer alone, it was, you know, we did uh, like a little baseball camp where I grew up Yeah. and then, you know, sirens go off and you got to run probably two and a half football fields with the little kids and you have mm, 90 seconds wow. and then you oh. get there gotta wait 10 minutes so the you know because yeah. we have like anti-missile right so sometimes not all the time but sometimes um that you know, once it blows up in the air kind of yeah takes some time to fall down so you gotta allow 10 minutes for yeah. all the debris to get out of the sky yeah and then you go back to doing what you're doing just go back and start playing the game again yeah Wow. Okay. This is leading me to a, a quote I got out of that article um, where you were talking, or Scott Pickler, there was a quote that Charlie had uh, that this kid's been through a few things. So I, I think he could probably handle pitching on a junior college mound. Greg's is something like that. Yeah, probably. He asked me, I guess he asked me if I was nervous before my first game. Yeah. I was like, not as nervous as you are to put me in there. Um, that's a great line. That's a great That's the line. first thing that came to my mind. Why would I be nervous? You know, I was excited. Yeah. As I, that was like the first like part of making, you know, my dream come true. Is just playing in college baseball. Wow. That's a great line, by the way, but but so true. I mean, why should I be nervous? I've pitched with 
bombs going over my head, running to a, a, a shelter, <laughs> which, you know, I'm not trying to make light of it at all. That it's, uh, it's wow. That's unbelievable to me. Um, but, and again, I'm getting this from the article. Pickler said it was one of the best things a kid has ever said to me. He had moxie. I wish every kid came in with an open mind like he had. He was just so excited to be there. Some kids have been given so many things in their lives, but alone was a different kind of person who really appreciated everything. Now, I would imagine you appreciated just playing on a regulation baseball field. I mean, so by that point, I played plenty. Yeah. Um, But I do remember vividly going to junior college and throwing a bullpen for the first time, and there was a pitching coach with me, as you know, that never happened. Right. And I just remember it really well. I'm like, oh, wow, there's, there's a guy looking. There's a guy here. He's got to help me. He's, yeah, he's my, my pitching coach. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. You got a big smile on your face right now. I love that. I yeah. lo- love stories like that. So you... Um, I was 21. You were 21. Man. All right, so you, um, I guess in uh, the ninth inning of a season opener, elbow so, popped. Yeah, it was that day that he asked me if I was nervous. So it's that day yeah. that, of that quote. Yeah. So it was Ugh. it was my first ever game in the states. So literally, like like I said, I was like making my dream come true, part one. Ugh. Um, and we're up one nothing, and. He put me in the seventh and was a one, two, three, eighth, one, two, three, ninth, got the first guy out. And then the second batter was a one, two fastball and my elbow popped. Oh. And then he just. So your first game in the States, you retire, what, seven straight. You're, yeah. you're looking to close out a game. Four punches, too. <laughs> I'm smoking like a true pitcher. Hey, man, not only that, four punches. Hey, you know. <laughs> Heck yeah. Um. So you need Tommy John surgery, and you miss the rest of the season. Yeah, and I met—I mean, what was that process like? Here I, you I mean, are. You've I was made your off dream with tears. Oh, because I was like, "Gotta be kidding me!" Yeah, all this, and then first game, and this is what happens. I'm two outs away from like, you know, winning the game, getting a save, and pick when he came out to take me out. He's like, "Well." I tried to leave you in here for your first save in America, but you can't get the ball to the plate anymore. So I'm I'm gonna have to take you out of this game. You were trying to stay in. I threw one more pitch, but ouch! I was jumping off the mound after that pitch because it popped. Yeah, and I was like, "Ooh, this is weird." And then I threw one more, and it didn't reach the plate. And I was oh. like, just jumping off. Oh um, my gosh! So I mean, I couldn't throw it sixty feet in the air if I wanted to. So I kind of had to leave the game. Well, the dream goes on from there, and the story will continue when we come back. Okay, so you have Tommy John surgery. You missed the rest of that season after your dream came true. So you worked your way back to be a long reliever. What was the process of getting back like? Uh, Well, did you have the proper medical care at the yeah, yeah. Um, I think looking back, um, they they put a cadaver in my elbow instead of taking my own yeah. ligament from a hamstring, and I think those uh, are those are kind of iffy, right? 
Well, we didn't know that at the time. Yeah. Ten, 10 years later, I was doing a driveline baseball course and we were, you know, talking about how cadavers can only hold up up to a certain amount of force in the elbow. Right. It's like 30 Newton forces, if I remember, while a college and pro pitcher throws at 100. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, that's why I'm coaching. That's what I want to tell myself. <laughs> you got, hey, you got to self-motivate however you can. Um, so you work your way back to be a long reliever, though, right, on the 2013 team yeah, at Cypress? So, so in March 11, it popped, or March 11 was the surgery. 2012, they, they all told me it's between, you know, a year and a year and a half to two. And I was like, I can do this quicker. So I was pitching 11 months after, but wow. not throwing hard at all. Just like put in a check mark. I was like, look at me. I got I got back early. Yeah. But I it was it was probably a mistake. And Coming back too soon. I mean, I wasn't I wasn't throwing hard anymore. What were you? What was your velo before I, I, the, the Tommy pitch? Job? It popped was eighty eight. Mm-hmm. Um. And that's really all I know because we didn't have radar guns in Israel. Yeah. Um, so that, I mean, that game I was probably 85, 88. Yeah. Um, and then the first game back I was probably 76, you know, something like that. And then I never, the pick always makes fun of me. Um, my number 88, and he's like, oh, I'm Max Velo, huh? <laughs> I'm like, sure. <laughs> So I embraced it, but I, I probably never. People could be cruel yeah. sometimes. So I never saw the other side of '84. Yeah. Until my last college game, I was like, I'm just, and then I went '86 like five times. <laughs> you know, but that was it. Yeah, and my elbow kind of blew up like this. Oh, wow. So, listen, this is a one of the incredible parts of this story. You're. You'd thrown like what thirty, no more than thirty six pitches in any game during the twenty thirteen season, and then you guys are in a double elimination tournament. It's the final game. Yeah. Now correct me if I'm wrong on this. Pickler Scott Pickler was running low on available pitchers, and he gave you a shot to start. Well, so what happened was a week before that, we're like getting ready for this playoffs, and I was in the bullpen. The most I threw, I think, was 1.2 innings to that point. Um, just, you know, a one-inning guy, maybe a one-plus. Um, had a pretty good year. I'd say I'd, I'd go in there a bunch. Um, and he started running a bunch of guys, like extra sprints. And then he finishes the sprints, and he's like, you know why you guys ran? Because one of you guys need to step it up. And those guys were the guys who didn't really pitch much. And I didn't run. So I went up to his, him in his office. And I was like, Pick, why didn't I run? He's like, you throw a lot for me. I was like, no, no, no. Like, we only have four starters. If we can get a game five, you better give me the ball. Wow. That was a week before. <laughs> so game five rolls around. We're in the middle of the fourth game. And he's like, if we win this game, force a game five, you got the ball. And I was like, great. So, yeah. So they force game five. He gives you the ball. Nine <laughs> shutout innings. Yeah. Yeah. He tried to get me out of there in the first and the third. <laughs> what? Yeah. In the first, I loaded the bases with one out. And he almost took you out? 
he came out. How'd you get out of that jam? Two strikeouts. Change-ups. <laughs> he remembers the pitch. Oh, yeah. I love that. I love Change-ups that. Change-ups are, are the thing. Um, yeah. So Change-ups are still the thing. Yeah. If you got a good one. So he, he comes out, bases loaded, one out. And basically, he's like, you know, last batter. If, you know, this. And, like, I'm hearing the, the bullpen just firing bullets already. It's like, Okay. Um, ended up striking the guy out, then the next guy out. Um, and then quick second, and then in the third, it was the same. Bases loaded, one out. Uh, and then I struck out the next two. I don't know why. but the, And then I, I was cruising, and he tried to take the ball out of me after six. And I was like, you're not taking the ball until I give up a run. And he was like, deal. So And never gave up a run. No. Nine shutout innings, and then you go on to win it all, right? Yeah. The team wins it all? Yep. So that took us to the state, like, yeah. final four. Right. And then we won three in a row there, so I didn't even have to pitch there. Luckily, because we probably couldn't. Yeah, but it was fifth and deciding game earlier on in in the deal. You don't get there unless you throw nine shutouts <laughs> and get out of that first inning, base loaded one out. Two punches, yep. a couple of change-ups. Yeah, <laughs> lots of change-ups. I love that. Um, so you transfer the following year yep. to University of California, San Diego. Mm-hmm. Um, were you, and you tried to get your elbow finally fixed. Do I have that right? Yeah, yeah, because they, they knew that my elbow was not really – it didn't really come back to what it was before. Yeah. And they said, don't worry about it, you know, come in. Don't play in the fall. Just go rehab it. We have a great medical. UC San Diego is known for their medical, they said, which they are. Um, so I did all that, and then I came back in January, and it was exactly the same. So it's just I throw, it's a lot of pain, and there's no velocity. Um, and it was it was hurting to, like, put my back back on, you know. Oh, wow. So I told him, like, something's off, like, something's wrong um and then i had i had to get my second surgery was this a tommy john as well so or this, this was one a, just a was, cleanup? they said that the nerve was trapped but the doctor said look the nerve is trapped so if we move the nerve that can help but it there's also gapping there and it could be that you do need tommy john but it kind of up to you if we do the small one that might fix the issue um, so I, we did the small one. It was three months, um, recovery. I pitched for Israel that summer and then nothing really changed. Um, so when I got back to school in October, went to the doctor again, he said, ah, you need, you need the Tommy John, like we talked about. And that oh. would be my third surgery going into my junior year. That would be at least two more years. And I said, ah, you know what? I'm just going to throw with no velocity and pain and trying to manage it. Um, and then that was kind of like when I accepted that like playing dream is over. Yeah. So I I, conti- I still pitch for the next two seasons. Uh, the coach there was great. He allowed me to do whatever I had to do to make the start on the weekend and then kind of left me to do my thing. Wow. Yeah. So you still – Sort of live the dream, but not with your full arsenal. The 
Yeah, and it was like it's all I it's what I knew in the states. Yeah, you know, I had one. Two, I had two and a third innings of healthy. Ugh. Gosh, that's gotta be tough. But I, it was fine. I I I kind of created a new identity as a pitcher. Yeah. Because in Israel, it's like oh, you just throw hard. Right. Hard. You know. Yeah. Um, and then in the states, I had to like become this finesse guy, and pitch backwards and. That was kind of who I was as a pitcher from that point on. Well, that, uh, yeah, the uh, finesse guys are usually the thinking man's pitcher. So uh, that probably helped you in going forward being a coach. Now, before I get to your next step, you mentioned Team Israel. What was it like putting on that uniform? Uh, uh, my first time was I was 10. We were in Amsterdam. Yeah. Um, and 2021 was the last time. I've done that, uh, and it's always special. Yeah. Always. Oh, I bet. Especially as a kid, I told you, growing up, and we have all these, like, problems going back home. So we still do. But I thought the world is always against us, um, right or wrong. Right. Um, and this was always an opportunity for us as kids to go meet other kids from other countries and mm -hmm. show them that Israelis are just regular kids. Right. Um and it was fun. We became good friends with the kids from the Netherlands and French kids and whatever, Czech Republic. Yeah. So. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, it was always. All right, so the, the dream is over of pitching professionally. You went on to, to pitch uh, in, in college, but uh, you were looking for a job in the Cape Cod Summer League, and it, was it Pickler again Yeah, they gave so, you a shot? So, so Pickler and I, um, while I was playing for him, you know, he was like a second father to me while I was playing for him because obviously my family's in Israel. Yeah. Uh, I was there pretty much by myself. Um, and he, you know, he gave me a shot to like make my dream come true in the States. And we just stayed in touch while I was in San Diego all the time. And towards the end of my last year in San Diego, I just called him. I was like, hey, I'm going to coach for you in the Cape. And he's like, well, I have a pitching coach, and we won the last two years. So, uh, you know what? You could just come and, like, hang out and help out. I said, great, I'll be there. You've heard that before. Like, just come out and practice. We'll see what you got, kid. Yeah. And so <laughs> I just came to help out the coaching, you know, the pitching guy. Yeah. Um, and then we ended up winning the championship there again. And... Jeff at the time was with the Dodgers doing scouting and player development stuff. And he surprised his dad for the final game in the Cape. We win that game. And then as we're celebrating, you know, Israelis have, you know, I don't know if no fear, like we just speak our mind. Yeah. So I was like, hey, you know, I called him Jeff at the time or Lil Pick. I was like, hey, Lil Pick. What do you think about doing this with the Dodgers? Just me throwing it out there, you know. Yeah. He's like, "That's that's a good idea," uh, and then that just kind of led into the like the pro ball conversation, and you know, one thing led to the next, and I ended up getting a phone call from Cleveland and um, Seattle about you know potentially joining them, and I ended up going to Seattle. Wow. Yeah. So, what job did you have in Seattle, and how did you? Did you harness what you learned as a finesse pitcher into coaching? Uh, what what 
did you ha- was it natural to you right away this coaching thing um in israel you have to coach you know when i was 15 you coached the 10 year olds yeah because you don't just you don't have coaches right um so i don't know if it came natural i don't know if it's still natural but you know i was always the older guy in college so when i'm in uc san diego i'm 25 playing with 18 year olds so there is always that like you know the guy that's been around longer right. even though i didn't really have anything until 21 um so I would play catch with all the guy, all the freshmen. I always liked like the freshmen. Yeah. Um, mainly because I didn't like the 19-year-olds picking on the 18-year-olds, you know, thinking they're big shots. <laughs> um, so I always took care of the young guys. <laughs> That's good. Um, so I was like playing catch with a bunch of them, and then, you know, little by little, it's like I, I like this, you know. Yeah. I like helping out whatever I can. Um, and then with the Mariners, they actually offered me a really cool job to start. Um, and it was coordinator of organizational learning. And they said, we're making this one What a title. Yeah. I was like, Ooh. And I'm thinking like, Oh my God, this is a lot of computer work. I don't know much about the computers. Um, and the, the job was basically go around to the top baseball facilities or college programs or whatever um, in the Dominican, in the States, uh, wherever, and kind of pick out what they do well and what we what we can implement into our player development. So the first year I was just had the best job. You know, I was just traveling UCLA, Oregon State, Vanderbilt, just writing a small report and sending it to you know, the front office, and that started the baseball, you know, on the dark side, as I call it. <laughs> What's the dark side? Not playing. <laughs> Still had that player dream in you, but on the dark side, I'll, I'll just coach. <laughs> yeah, just coach. No. Now, you were with Team Israel, right? Mm-hmm. And you met uh, Craig Breslow? Yeah. Now, tell me this story about him uh, refining a cutter, right? Tweaking his cutter. Do I have that right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think the the moral of the story was he was, you know, at the time, like 10 years in the big leagues or something like that. And I was just finishing in the Cape Cod. And I thought I'm going to go play on this team, Israel. But Jerry Weinstein, if he hears it, he knows, uh, you know, we have our issues because of this. Not really anymore, but <laughs> I, I was like, I wanted to pitch on that team. And he's like, no, 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 I'm going to take professional uh, Jewish Americans that are eligible. Right. And the Israeli kid that's coaching in the Cape, he can be my bullpen coach if he wants. So I was like, okay, I'll do that. And then Breslow was in the bullpen and we just played catch. And I think he liked the fact that I told him what I thought, even though I had no business telling him anything. And he was throwing a cutter to me. I was like, hey, what if you try this? I don't remember what exactly it was. Yeah. And he he liked that, you know, I'd, I told him anything. Because um, he felt like, you know, sometimes when you're 10 years in the big leagues, if you don't have 10 years, you probably don't say anything to him. So you don't feel like it's your place. Yeah. And I just being 
my Israeli self. I was like, yeah, I got some thoughts if you want to hear them. And he's like, yeah. So we did that. And I don't know even if, even if it worked or not, but I think that's what he liked. And we just kind of formed a good connection ever since. Wow. 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 And then, so he, he kind of mentored me. So I got the job then with, uh, with the Mariners. Right. And he was still playing. Um, and this is like my introduction to analytics. And he was the first guy to play around with Rapsodo and like pitch movement and pitch design. Right. Um, so it was, you know, just with him in that process as this is all like starting. So any questions I ever had about this stuff, I'd ask him and then we'd look up different, you know, numbers and this and this and uh, I'm just like diving into his stuff um, for him. He's like, hey, can you look at my outing? And then I, I'd look and I'm like, oh, you know, I saw this and this. And, you know, or like, hey, your movement on your sinker is different righties to lefties. Like, it's probably all in your head, Brett. You know, he's like, ooh, <laughs> it is. So how did you get to Cincinnati? Obviously, Jeff Pickler is underneath David Bell, mm-hmm. been on the staff, very close with David Bell. Was that the connection? I'm assuming because yeah. I've never coached with Jeff. Like yeah. I've never been around him in a baseball environment, um, only around his dad. Um, and I was on my way back to Israel in the off season. I was in LA the night before my flight back home for the off season. I get a call from the Mariners farm director um, saying, hey, the Reds just called and they want to interview for a big league position. Can you interview? I'm like, I, yeah, I leave tomorrow, but sure, of course. What was that call like? It was, you got to be kidding me. Yeah. yeah. Like, was it like, oh my. Yeah, because I, I thought he's like, I was talking, we were at the time trying to find a AAA manager because our manager left. He, he ended up going to the Tigers in the big leagues. And we're looking at stuff, and he's texting me like, hey, are you still in the States, or can you talk? And I was, thought we are going to talk about the manager. Like, yeah. And then he was like, hey, the Reds called. I'm like, ooh. And then um, David called me right away and said, can you fly out tomorrow to Cincinnati? I was like, sure. So I, I changed my flight and flew out. Wow. Yeah. And you interviewed with David and Derek Johnson, I'm yeah. assuming? Yeah. How did you win him over? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Um, yeah. I don't know. I, I, I imagine it's just your personality. Now, I want to bring up some uh, things that players have said about you with the Reds. And I want to pick your brain on some Reds pitching and what the experience has been like. And we'll do that after this. All right. You don't know how you won them over, but you did. And you are tricked them. (laughs) You are all of a sudden a major league assistant pitching coach. What was it like? Did you have an experience of coming into the clubhouse or locker room and your name is on a major league uniform? What was that like? You know what? It, the When it hit me was when 
I'm in the office with David, and he said, we're going to offer you the job. I'm like, you know, I stopped for a second. I was like, this guy's making my dream come true right here. Just say yes. And at the time, the Mets uh, scheduled an interview for me for the bullpen coach mm-hmm. for the next morning. And I was like, and you know, the Mets last year. Yeah. Well, it's a big thing. Yeah. You know, and the Reds are last place by a lot. Yeah. And, but all I could think of is like, just say yes and that's it. You make your dream come true forever. Like, yeah. It doesn't matter. Uh, and I just had, you know, I felt like a good connection with DJ and David. And obviously, I knew Pick from before. Right. I'm like, this is, this is perfect. And this man is just offered to make my dream come true. Yeah. Um, so I think that was like the moment for me. Wow. Now, do you ever stop and think? And, you know, I'm a sentimental dude. So you ever stop and think of, okay, I was a kid in Israel. I'm playing on a field that's not even regulation. Barely anyone knows baseball in my country. I have overcome extreme odds, and I am a Major League Baseball pitching coach. It's do you ever like, stop and think of it like that? Like, lot, have you, uh, yeah, I do. And it comes up like it came up just now in L.A. Um, people that know what baseball in Israel is. Yeah. They always like remind me, it's like, do you realize? Do you realize? Like, it is kind of crazy, huh? You know. No, it's way crazy. Yeah. <laughs> it's like still to this day, like, you know, there's been one Israeli basketball coach who grew up his whole life in America and moved to Israel and then became an NBA yeah. head coach. And they made a big deal out of huge. that. But you were like raised in Israel. And 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 basketball's a huge deal in Israel. Yeah. Huge. Yeah. Um and it's like it's baseball is just so random, you know, yeah. to this day. Like, it doesn't give me any street credit in Israel and nothing. They know none, nothing, zero. They know nothing about it. Like, or it. you go back there and you say, I'm a major league baseball pitching coach. And, like, whatever. What's baseball? Yeah. What's is baseball? One What's MLB? Is that not NBA? That's not NBA. So, the way I explain it is like, so it's, you know, NBA, right? And, like, yeah. So, it's the same just for baseball. And, like, oh, Okay. Here you are. It's a lifelong dream, and it's not even a big deal at home. No, not at all. It's, <laughs> that they makes it even crazier. They ask if it's the one with you know the helmets that they like hit each other with. <laughs> and oh yeah, they wow. It's a big deal here. It's a big deal for me. I'll tell you that. When I you know learned your story in spring training, I'm like, oh my gosh. This is unbelievable. Yeah, Israel, no one knows. <laughs> no one knows, I'm telling you. <laughs> What's the experience been like uh, w- working with Mage Lakers? Um, awesome. uh, you said you have no street cred there, but you have to earn this, you know, the cred in the clubhouse amongst the team, right? I yeah. mean, you got to earn it the hard way. Yeah. It, um, the experience has been fun. Yeah. Yeah. I think it comes down to perspective, and no matter what, the level these guys are at, they always try and get better. Yeah. And if you have any thoughts that can maybe help them and they'll you present it in the right way, they'll probably be open to hear it. They yeah. can take it or not take it. Right. Um, but all of them want to get better. And I always thought like 
what is a college baseball player can do better than like they're unbelievable already because yeah. we view the high school baseball players in the States as God. Like if you were a high school baseball player and you came to Israel, I remember myself, I'm like, I'm hanging out with that guy. So I'm trying to learn everything. Right. Um, so I always thought like, what's a minor league player need to do better? Like they're already amazing. Yeah. And then big leagues. But then you realize, like, everyone wants to get better. Everyone right. probably has, you know, within the level they're at, like, you can always be better probably. Yeah. Now, here's what I hear about you from uh, just talking to pitchers, coaches, et cetera. Extremely hard worker, knowledgeable, but a straight shooter. Not afraid, as you said earlier when you just spoke up in the bullpen about a longtime major league player that, like, you had no business telling him, but you did, that you're that type, that you're not afraid to tell a guy the truth. Mm-hmm. And I think the players appreciate that. There's no BS with you. You come right at them, not, not in a bad way, yeah. in a way that's effective, but you will be brutally honest with them. Do I have that right? Yeah, but I usually tell them they're really good. <laughs> Because they are. Yeah. But, well, of know, course, if they're at this level, they're good. Yeah. yeah. You know. Um, but, yeah, like I said, there's always, you know, you could be really good. I, we can never speak the whole season. You're probably going to be okay. Yeah. You know, but if you, you probably want to get better. Yeah. Um, and if you want my opinion, like, here it is. Right. Yeah. How uh, this staff in particular, who who stands out to you, the pitchers on this team that you've enjoyed working with or uh, maybe even marveled at? What what's uh, are, are there any experiences that stand out to you working with the player? I mean, I think obviously all of them. It's been a lot of fun. Uh, it's been fun to see, you know, a, a guy like Alex Young, yeah. you know, um, always. I don't know if doubting himself. But it's never good enough. Yeah. And it's like, AY, you're unbelievable. Yeah. You know? Uh, and then seeing him have a really good season is is a, is really fun to watch. You know, and it, for a guy who's like, he'll throw he'll throw it in the bullpen and it's like, oh, he's he's so mad at himself. I'm like, what are you mad about? That was nasty. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um yeah, but a, a bunch of the guys, it's yeah, it's always fun. It's fun to have Brandon Williamson back because I was with him yeah. in in Double A and with the Mariners, right? Uh, so it's fun. Well, to he's see. come a long way. He's yeah. made some that cutter. Speaking of cutter, yep, that's been a difference maker, and he's really developed that Big starting time. last year and during the season. How would you guys develop that cutter with him? Because it's he in spring training, he was throwing a slider. He was trying to throw a slider. Uh, and we we're just trying different cues. Um, man, one of the cues was, hey, try and throw this a little harder, you know, whatever. Think cutter with the slider. And it was, like, pretty good. And it was like, oh, this, this is actually a good pitch. It might not be a slider, but it's a good pitch. Yeah. Um, and he started just throwing that more. Uh, and then he told me that right before his start in Colorado, he flipped the grip. Yeah, he just kind of changed like where he was holding the ball and just felt comfortable and just went with that. And it's he's gone with it for sure. Yeah, uh, it's it's been effective. So I I love I look out. You guys are you know in BP or before the game, and I look out there and I'm like, 
Man, someone's throwing pretty hard out there. This is not just normal BP. Who is that on the mound out there? That's a lone Leishman. Oh, you got a big smile on your face yeah, right I love now because I enjoy the, it. Yeah, these live BP sessions. You know, normally you got to bring in another, or normally it's designed for a pitcher that's coming back. Um, sometimes I've seen guys bring in, you know, a college pitcher or whatever. But you're throwing live BP to major league hitters, and you're bringing you're bringing the heat. I mean, it's from closer. It's closer. It's closer. But that simulates the you know the '90s or mid '90s fastball, whatever. If you if you're closer, Um, it's fun. I love it. (laughs) I love it. What is is there been an experience of someone that you maybe struck out? Um, This is your chance to talk smack. You know, no one's listening. Don't worry, Luke. Luke Maley and I have, you know, we have a little thing going, you know. Yeah. Uh, he's got, it's pretty even right now. He could say he's got me two days ago. He this got is, me. This is a, it's a guy I'm thinking of because I've watched these matchups and it's great. Yeah. He's like, all right, alone, two outs, bases loaded. I'm like, all right, let's get it. You know, um, I probably have the advantage, but that's just baseball. You know, pitchers will. Yeah. Up top a little more than right. than not, but he got he got me second deck in Milwaukee, um, but it wasn't on the line. It wasn't the the full you know bases <laughs> loaded two outs situation. Yeah, uh, there was one in St. Louis with TJ Friedel. Yeah, it was we we bet on uh, Jordan ones. If I punch him, really? Well, it was it was all right. This is for for a pair of shoes. Um, and I got him out, and he's like, "All right, what's your size?" I'm like, no, 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 I have to punch you. So I didn't get the shoes because I was like, "Oh, you should have taken the shoes." You know, but what? you got to get a. It had to be a punchy. No, I, that's the rule I put after I got him out. Because look at you. Well, <laughs> he's still competitive. I'm just saying, it's like <laughs> if he's really good off me, he'll get three hits out of ten. If he's really good off me, yeah. So that was just the seventy percent. For me, you know, I just I, I need to punch him out for shoes. Come on, he can afford it though. Man, you need to take those shoes. It's all right. <laughs> now, what are you throwing up there besides fastball? Oh, you all th- everything. You th- every- That's why I take pride in six pitches, sometimes three different cutters. I make up grips on the fly. Um, I'm trying to. Debunk I'm telling you, I love some- watching these sessions. It's my favorite thing. I I try to debunk some theories. You know, I've. I had to talk with Casale about this the other day because sometimes on the changeup, now I told you the changeup was my pitch, yeah. and I would I would sell it. I would yeah. throw it, you know, same arm speed, this and this and that. Uh, with the Mariners, we had a kid that was like, he'd slow his arm down. Everyone in the world saw it, but no one hit it. I was like, you know what? I'm going to try and do that. So I was like slowing down, and like guys are still out front. So the first time Terry comes up to me, our hitting coach, and he goes, Long, I saw a change about hand. I was like, I know, but they didn't hit it. Like I'm trying to I'm trying to debunk some theories while I'm Terry out. Bradshaw is yeah. telling you I picked up the Yeah. And I was like, You better. <laughs> I slowed down. You know? Um so they didn't hit. And then the, the two days ago I was doing it and Casali took me to, you know, right center gap. And then after, 
He's like, ah, I saw your, I, you were slowing down, dude. It wasn't as good today. Usually your change was better. I'm like, oh, <laughs> I was trying to prove a point, but I guess, I guess I'm wrong for now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's curveball, slider, sometimes three different cutters. Um, I try and go different angles. Yeah. I try and go up shoot, like trying to go over the top. I'm trying to do anything I can change up. Sinkers, four seamers. I, you know, I've always been surprised that they don't have someone on every staff that can pitch like that because batting practice sometimes is, I don't want to call it eyewash, but it's just, I, I don't know how much it helps when you're just not simulating the pitches you're going to see in a game. Um, I, I, you know, you're working on technique, obviously you work. Yeah. I think on, there's a time and place for it. Yeah. Um, but I've always been surprised that they haven't had someone like you that is throwing all the time batting practice like that, because that's got to help. I, I mean, I love the fact that guys like Fraley and TJ, um, there was a few more that didn't go to AAA their rehab because they just chose to stay here and face us yeah and tracy and cc do it as well right they need a lefty look right um so i I know the three of us we take pride in that it's fun for us i see the competitiveness in you guys that you take it come out in the jersey i know that's why i love these i'm like they're like alone's pitching today i'm like yes I'm going out there early. Yeah. Because I love this. I can't wait because Johnny's coming back. Yesterday I asked Pick, hey, when's when's he gonna need the the lives? You know, I'm I gotta get going. <laughs> you talking about India? Yeah. <laughs> that and that is a one factor that they don't go out on a rehab because they know that they can face you and get some A B, some some legitimate curveballs, some yeah. legitimate, certainly legitimate change ups, cutters. And again, you move it closer so that simulating the the velo. Newman uh, Newman didn't go on one. That was the other one. Yeah, but yeah, it's fun because Fraley hit a bomb the first game, first at bat back. Uh, yeah, um, yeah, you got to take pride in yeah, that. No, it's fun. Freddie Freddie claims that every time Benavides. Yep, yep. Every time that Luke Maley hits off me early, he goes deep, or you know, and it's it's been the thing. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. He hit a double the other day. I know he did. Yeah. A rocket to center field rocket. Dodger Stadium. You know, man. it's easier because it's like, you know, they faced me before. Get a few <laughs> ABs on a tough guy. You know, I'm just saying. How old are you? 30 what? Four. 34. So you're still in the wheelhouse of, you know, they're obviously guys at 34 that are pitching in the big leagues or elsewhere. And yeah. My um, elbow is kind of you know. That's why that's what, that's my next question. What how's the elbow right now throwing all this junk? We're managing. We're managing it. Is it still painful? Or you? Oh yeah. Really? Yeah. Oh, but no one knows. No, they know. No one's listening to this podcast. Okay. No, no. no they no. do know that. It, yeah, well, I just try and be smart about it. Like the other day, you know, if the guys are listening, the only reason they got more hits was the first two rounds. I kind of went mainly heaters. You know. Because I wasn't warmed up enough, and I was like, I'm, you know. <laughs> so a little more sinkers than usual, and it's fine. Well, that's like, hey, that's like any other pitcher during the season, man. When one pitch isn't working, you got to go elsewhere. You yeah. got to find a way to be effective. Yeah, be the your slider own wasn't coach. there early. I just, I didn't want to push it. <laughs> so, what are your dreams and aspirations from here? Uh, it's funny people ask me that, and mm-hmm. it's like, 
obviously I want to be a pitching coach one day, like a main guy. Yeah. Um, but I feel like I'm living out my dream right now. Mm-hmm. So it's, I'm good where I'm at, but it, it's never good to be content and I'm not saying right. I'm content. So like, yeah, there is that like one day I want to be the main guy. Um, but that could be in 10 years for all I care. Like yeah. I'm just living out my dream right now. That's awesome. Yeah. Now the, the family, whether they be in Israel or here that does know baseball, mm-hmm. major league baseball, how proud are they of you? Yeah, they're proud. They're proud. My parents are actually coming uh, in a few days. Really? Yeah. From Israel? Yeah, and that's something like that was um, very important to me, um, and the Reds were great about it. And, you know, they I kind of worked that into the contract. Really? Yeah, that I can fly them out. That's awesome. Yeah, just my parents. What's that going to I mean, what's that going to yeah, mean I, to you? A lot, you know? Yeah. And, and my parents were never a a pushing type. Yeah. They just kind of always let me do my thing. The only thing they said was like, you can't go to high school in the States. <laughs> <laughs> Had to be in Israel. Yeah. Yeah. But they, they knew since I was a little kid, like once the army's over, I'm out. Yeah. Um, and that, that is, it's not easy for me, you know, sometimes. Yeah. Cause my whole family's still there. Yeah. Um, but it's fun, you know, it's good. Wow. Good to see them. I am so happy to hear that. I didn't know that your parents are coming. Uh, I was going to ask the question of what's next for your family, but that is, that's tremendous. That's yeah. what it's all about. Yeah, it's fun. Wow. Well, your story is is uh, inspirational, and uh, man, you can come out of nowhere and achieve a dream. And you, I don't want to say nowhere, but as far as baseball goes, that's coming out of nowhere. <laughs> I'll, I guess I will amend that. I will amend that. He did come out of nowhere in the baseball circles. And uh, you're doing it, man. Congratulations. Thank you. Congratulations. That is a lone life. And good luck. Please update us at some point on the smack talk that's happening between you and hitters. And good luck against these guys. I hope you get some punchies against the current Reds players. I'll let you know if I punch out in India. (laughs) We will, we will bring you that update for sure. <laughs> that is Alone Leishman, everyone. Red's assistant pitching coach, and he's doing tremendous uh, things along with Derek Johnson and the rest of the staff. Hope you enjoyed it, and uh, we will catch you next time here on the Gym Day Podcast. Mm-hmm.